Welcome to Roundhill Radio, the podcast from Roundhill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to Roundhill Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. Good morning, Ed. It's a very special day here at Roundhill Radio, isn't it? It's Monday. Every Monday is a special day. and uh, But this is especially special because we're launching something new. That's right. So today we are doing Roundhill Radio Live, the Bible study edition, uh, every Monday morning at 11, which is when we record. We have the opportunity to welcome in uh, some Bible study attendees who will be hopefully writing in some questions as we go and as Ed uh, teaches all teaches us all these stories of Advent. So let's get started, Ed. What are we let's learning get, about today? Let's get started. Well, first of all, it's uh, thank you, Leslie, for making this happen and all your uh, technological expertise. And thank you to our first group of participants. It's really exciting to be launching something that's new. And we've taken our time, uh, you know, to get ready for this um, This particular Bible study would prepare us for a more, um, for a richer and more meaningful experience of the season of Advent. Uh, really want to stress that we would love to have your questions, so please use though that that chat feature, the Q and A feature, and Leslie will be watching that and can field along questions as we go along. Leslie, I hope you will feel very comfortable inserting comments, asking questions as we always do. So it's usually a great conversation. So to get us started, uh, let us uh, gather together with a prayer, and then we'll begin the study. So let us pray. God of learning, we give you thanks for your presence in our lives at all times, but especially when we open our hearts and minds to you as we explore the Bible and search with excitement these ancient stories for contemporary messages. We give you thanks for all those who have brought meaning and research to us over the years that have enlivened and enriched our study together. Bless this time so that it might help us to be better prepared for the upcoming season of Advent and also to be even more faithful disciples of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to start off, actually, with a couple of thoughts about the season of Advent. Um, I, th the season of Advent is the first season in the Christian calendar. So we obviously have our annual calendar with its normal flow of seasons from summer to autumn to winter to spring. But the Christian year has its own calendar, which I think is really interesting. It's, it's as if we're living in two times always simultaneously. And I really, um, I really love that. And so we have this gift of these seasons, and we believe that the season of Advent uh, was first practiced by Christians going all the way back to the fifth century. And they saw this, these periods of, this period of several weeks leading up to Christmas as a time for them to prepare their hearts and minds for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And interestingly enough, they viewed it apparently as a miniature Lent. So it was uh, some, a time of fasting, a time of, uh, you know, looking at their lives for things that seemed out of alignment with their spiritual goals and dreams. So that's changed over the years. The color purple first became associated with the season of Advent, not the season of Lent. So I think all that history is kind of interesting. It, it was more of what we would call today a penitential season. You know, you were really searching your soul for things that 
you really wanted to improve or change or ask God's help with. So the season of Advent now is, uh, is noted by the color blue, which is the color of hope. We could use some hope these days, uh, living in the middle of a global pandemic as we are. And so that's a, that's a change that's actually fairly recent. That's happened in the last you know, few decades. And now we also view Advent connected with these great virtues of faith, hope, love, and joy. And some churches have these magnificent banners that they will put up. So there'll be one candle that they light for each one of those great virtues, which is what, which something we do at Round Hill Community Church. We'll do it virtually this year, but that's a very important part of uh, the celebration of Advent. One, one thing that hasn't changed about Advent is this underlying hope that history will, will arrive at a meaningful, purposeful conclusion. This was a hope that early Christians had 2,000 years ago, and they, they phrased it as the coming of Christ, the return of Christ after his death. They saw it as a time of reckoning and judgment. They saw it as a time when all of the loose fragments of the world would be woven together into this beautiful tapestry. And um, they waited and waited and waited for that. And that didn't happen in the way that they expected. But that hasn't stopped our waiting. So now, 2,000 years later, we could say that we still look for the coming of Christ, but in a, maybe in different ways. And uh, that that coming is still in the sense of, of a fulfillment, but maybe it's as much in our personal as well as our public lives. So we continue to look for a time of shalom when the world will be at peace with itself. And we look for a time of, of peace within our own lives, you know, the peace that passes all understanding. So uh, I think that one of the reasons why I chose this uh, particular passage from the letter of James for today's Bible study is that it kind of brings together all of these themes. It's the hope, you know, the hope for coming of Christ. I mean, you could just feel the urgency that this man feels as he's writing. He's writing 2,000 years ago to this Christian community, or maybe to many Christian communities. And it's, uh, it's just really, really fascinating to see how he wants to bring that you know, that heightened level of passion to his readers. He also understands that he's not exactly sure when that's going to happen. So they have to keep living their lives. And so he matches that sense of anticipation with this great passion for justice. Uh, his, this letter, little book, the letter of James is not necessarily easy to read uh, because it's full of language, uh, you know, that he, he sort of strikes out against injustice and he, he calls certain people to account. He's especially angry at wealthy farmers. And he, uh, he, he notes that there's a great disparity between the way that they conduct their lives and the way that they treat their farmhands. And he's really angry about that. And that all comes to a boil in the verses right before the ones that I chose today. I decided not to choose those <laughs> as well, but I hope everybody takes a look at them at some point because they're tough to read, but they're important to read. So that, that brings us up to why I chose the letter of James. I'm, I'm sure some people must have looked at the stories that I noted for this uh, particular Bible study and thought, what? 
what is James all about? What, how does he fit into all of this? And um, so I'll say something about this uh, in just a bit, but maybe I'll take a, a bit of a pause there. Leslie, I thought I might reach out to you to see if you have any questions so far, just to check in. And then if there are any other questions, and then I'll uh, talk a little bit about who James was and then the message for today. Yeah, no no questions yet from our, our wonderful attendees. If you have any questions, feel free to pop them in the Q&A or in the chat function. Um, I just had was really struck by this idea of Advent as a second or first Lent. Mm -hmm. um, it is two weeks shorter. Um, and it just is such a strong contrast to the experience we have of Advent now. I know a lot of people still really try to hold it. Um, yes. But I will say I was tempted yesterday after saying, well, Halloween's over. Could I maybe put up Christmas decorations today? Because I could use a little Christmas. There you go. To be frank. <laughs> and so, right. you know, and so I think, I think that's, uh, this Advent will definitely feel different than any other Advent that we've yes. had, we've had before. Yeah. So, one of the great themes of the season of Advent is the theme of waiting and watching and how those, those practices of waiting and watching play into human life. And ever since I have been a member of a church, I have heard this great debate every year in the weeks before Christmas. Can we please sing the Christmas carols now, right? I guess well, not maybe, just the week before, like not just the week. No, that's right. Maybe a couple December. of months. <laughs> <laughs> and there are pastors. Um, and sometimes I belong to this crowd and sometimes I think I don't. But there are pastors who feel really strongly that that the season of Advent, it's you're not yet ready to celebrate. Mm. You know, the purpose is to wait until the thing for which you are waiting has arrived. Then you celebrate. And so these would be individuals who are saying, we're not ready to sing Christmas carols yet because the birth hasn't taken place. You know, it's, it's this period of watching and waiting. So what are we watching and waiting for? That's always the question I bring to Advent because we're not actually waiting for the actual birth of Christ. That's happened. I think we're still waiting for the coming of Christ into the world. And I remember when I was a pastor in New Hampshire many, many years ago, I had a young boy who was in my confirmation class. And he said, uh, he said, what does it mean when we say sometimes in our prayers that we're waiting for, you know, the coming of Jesus into our lives and into the world? And we talked about that a little bit. And he said, isn't Jesus always coming into our lives? And I thought that was such a fantastic thing to say. I want to say thank you, Justin. That was his name. Because that's really our hope. It's not that there's just one momentous arrival, but this is always happening. So Advent is a way of saying that prior to that coming into our lives of, of Jesus and his love, his compassion, his longing for justice on earth, it sometimes is preceded by a very long period of waiting and watching. And I, I, I think the parallel I draw to that is the civil rights movement in this country. Uh, think about the 
decades of waiting for justice, longing for it, for equality, watching for it, and trying to join in, getting ready to make it happen, then there could come a time of celebration when certain victories had been achieved. Uh, but for a very long time, it was a period of, of hard waiting. And many times in life, I think we have the experience of having to wait for something, to endure something before we can really celebrate. And, uh, you know, we often talk about our culture as a culture that, you know, we want everything yesterday. We want everything right now. And right at the moment, as we live in a global pandemic, what, I mean, it's been such an amazing difficult, challenging experience of having to learn how to wait and watch. And we're not used to that. And it calls forth a certain endurance in order to do that. And that's part of where I think the faith community comes in is to, to help us to, you know, achieve that kind of resilience. So that's really what Advent is meant to be. It's a time to say, okay, let's really take time to pause and think about the thing that we want to celebrate. And then what is the, what is the waiting period and the watching period and the activity period that will lead up to this? Um, I guess one other thought I would have about to share about this is that during this autumn, I've started attending coaching school. So it's designed to help pastors, help, help pastors to become better coaches to their colleagues and staff members and so on. And coaches are supposed to ask great questions. You know, they're, they're not supposed to say a whole lot. They're supposed to just ask these great questions. But one of the questions that coaches are taught to ask of other individuals or of groups is, what would you like to celebrate a month from now? What would you like to celebrate a year from now? What would be a great thing for you to really uh, you know, be able to mark at that time? I think Advent could be described as the period of time between the moment when you name that thing and the time when you actually celebrate it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what you're doing, right? As you're watching and you're waiting. Now that means that Advent could last a week because the thing that you wanna celebrate is just a week out. That's an easier thing to do. That's what we would call low hanging fruit. Or Advent might be five years from now. I think a lot of people are looking, are having an Advent season between now and the moment when a vaccine for COVID-19 is going to be distributed. There's a lot of very anxious and eager watching and waiting going on mm -hmm. in anticipation that one day there will be a celebration so that people can somewhat return to life as they knew it. But does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, we have a couple questions, which is wonderful, but oh, good. I'll interject quickly that I, it, that really struck me because I like the, the watching and waiting, but also the working of, because what I thought, what I heard when you said, what do you want to celebrate? To me, it's, you know, it's, um, there's an element of, of, of goals, right? Of things you want to either achieve or tick off or whatever. And there's an active element to that. Actually, a question just about that says, is there such a thing as waiting proactively mm. is a great question. That is a great question. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that question makes me think of waiting. If we think about it proactively as a very, as a very active and not passive kind of waiting. 
Um, I think the reason why Advent is difficult for us is not just that we have trouble, you know, <laughs> being patient, but also we there when whenever a word like uh, waiting comes attached with a sense of passivity, that really moves against the grain for us. You know, we're we're looking for something that requires more of an active engagement. And I think that James, uh, in his letter, and uh, by the way, a lot of people are not even sure if it is a letter. It's more like a statement. But in, his, in this small book attributed to this person back in the first century, um, he really describes patience, I think, as a proactive kind of waiting. He, he wants people to exercise tremendous patience waiting for the energy and the compassion of Christ to enter into the world so that the world will become a more peaceable and more loving place. So the the waiting is about creating the space for that coming to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's the little town of Bethlehem uh, that says where, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. And I love that phrase out of that Christmas carol because that's the meekness that's described there is not a sense of being timid, right? It's actually a sense of of being vulnerable, vulnerable enough to create the space uh, for that energy to enter. And I'll share one other um, quotation that I heard recently. I don't know that anyone knows exactly who said this. But the quotation is, only the hand that erases can write the true thing. So only the hand that erases can write the true thing. And, the, and I think the meaning of that phrase is that sometimes we have to erase things in our lives or clear space um, in order to have those goals that you talked about, Leslie, sometimes you have to let other goals go off to the side. We may have to erase them or at least set them aside for the time being. So we're opening up this space. And that's what Advent is meant to do. It's to open up a space so the greatest longing in our lives is to see more of the love, more of the mercy, more of the compassion that we see in Christ at play in our lives and at play in the wider world. It kind of feels like the whole uh, pandemic has been kind of one big advent. I, I think that's exactly what it's felt like. Yeah, the idea of that creating space, whether um, creating time, whether we want to or not, mm-hmm. and, and focusing in on the those you know those silver lining moments that you and I have talked about before. Exactly. Um, whether we want to or not. <laughs> whether we want to or not. And that very yeah. Lenten idea of taking things away, we've kind of, as we, I mean, we started, uh, you know, doing things online during Lent, if memory serves, or right mm-hmm. right at the same time, I think. We did, right at the beginning. It was a decade ago, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think here's an example of where sometimes the waiting is forced upon us. We're not choosing it which of course is doubly frustrating for people who like to get on with things, right? And feel a sense of control, not talking about you, Leslie, I'm talking about just people in general. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I, um, so once we find ourselves in that kind of advent, that's especially trying. 
Yeah. There's a question from our, our wonderful attendees uh, saying, I love the idea of learning to wait on the Lord. What lessons can we learn from waiting in our own context and using the examples of waiting for justice, return of Jesus, mm. waiting for a vaccine, like you were talking about, a uh, mm-hmm. breakthrough in a relationship? Mm. So, you know, uh, I just want to go back to a word that you used earlier, uh, Leslie, goals. It may be, and I love goals as well, and I think there's a really important place for goals. It may be, and I'm responding to the question in this way, that part of what Advent asks us to do for a time is to set all of those things aside. Um, that, uh, or, or let me say this, instead of many goals, what's the one dream? What's the, what's the great dream? Someone said to me last week that he couldn't remember the last time that someone had asked him anything about his dreams for life. Mm-hmm. And he said in, in turn, it made him aware that he had neither had he done the same for other people. Mm-hmm. So what's the, what's the big dream? And then going back to the question, you know, what's the longing? Is there a longing for justice in that dream? Is there a longing for a breakthrough of a relationship in that dream? Uh, Is there a longing for peace in that dream? So maybe the goals then become, they flow out of the dream, maybe then the other way around. I think sometimes we wind up with, sometimes I wind up, forget about the royal we here, I wind up with a whole basket full of goals and I've forgotten to ask the question, what is the dream Mm. towards which all of those are lining up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so my response is that this could be a time to hold those goals, but also to set them in a bigger framework. And also then to think a little bit about how they act in response to one another, you know, that it's all part of a, of a web. That's really interesting. Thank you for that. Um, more questions. I'm loving this. This is very fun. Great. Great. What was it like for the early church when they celebrated Advent? What can we learn? This is a three-parter. What can we learn from their zealous anticipation? This is great. Mm, for Christ great. in the midst of persecution. And was their waiting in vain, even though Christ did not actually return? I love that last one. Was it in it. vain, the waiting? I want to start with the last part of that. Yeah. So I'm going back to my my young friend friend Justin, right, who said that Christ is always coming into the world. So I think my response, and I might need your help remembering the other parts of this question, but so to focus on the last part, I think they would have said that their waiting was not in vain in the sense that it gave them the energy to reach out to the world with extraordinary compassion. Now their hope of a world where all the wrongs, all the injustices would be leveled, where all of the inequality would disappear, where God's rule of of love, uh, realm of love would prevail across the earth. That was not realized, that none of that happened during their lifetime. However, you could say the coming of Christ was happening over and over and over again in their lives. So maybe one last thought in terms of that part of the question. This is what James said, okay? 
Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. Now, of course, he's waiting for that final decisive moment. But then he says, the farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. So essentially what he's saying is that you still have to work. The farmer is still active, but it's a partnership. And that farmer does not create the rain and doesn't control the earth, right? So it's a vast, wonderful partnership. He says, you also must be patient, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. And I just wanted to add this one phrase. He says, beloved, do not grumble against one another. I love it. (laughs) Be nice. Okay. Just be nice so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. And I think one of the ways that the early church really focused on showing how they were faithful was actually in their treatment of one another. So you see so many verses, don't grumble against one another, don't speak ill of one another, you know, really watch your speech. That was the most obvious way. So that would be my first comment. The waiting was not in vain because the coming of the Lord in a sense was always happening. You know, the, his experiences flowing through ours. What were the other parts of the question? Uh, Working backwards, what can we learn from their zealous anticipation in the midst of persecution? Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to go back now to to James for just a moment. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job. So he's going all the way back, right? Right to these people who have lived way before, well before him. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Mm -hmm. So I think um, part of what we have to learn there is like us, they were also looking backwards to go forwards. Mm -hmm. They went back to the prophets. They went back to the Job, to Job. It's like the music that we use so often, right? We're going back into that treasure house in order to bring something forward that enables us uh, to move forward in faith. And there is one thing I just want to share a little bit of Greek here, just, just a teeny bit of Greek at the very end of this. He says, you have seen the purpose of the Lord. So basically he says, look, you know how to act. You have the stories. So, so follow the stories. And then he says, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And I looked up the word compassionate, and actually in Greek, normally that word is translated with one word, but in this one, the actual Greek word is excessive compassion. Wow. Super super compassionate. (laughs) Um, And I love that. And unfortunately, I checked around, some of the English translations do not carry that. So so the last thing I would say about this is the way to exemplify this is with a, a super abundance of compassion. And when I'm thinking about the pandemic, um, patience is not only waiting for the dream come true to come true, but sometimes patience is what we have to exercise with ourselves <laughs> and with one another, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I was growing up, you know, my mother would, would notice a changing vibe in our household. And she said, you know, everybody's looking a little edgy. <laughs> that, was, that was her way of saying, look, I, I don't know what the dynamic, what's causing this dynamic but this is a time when we have to be extra kind to one another because something's off, something's out of kilter. And so we've got this super abundance of compassion to call upon. 
And I guess the last, the first question was actually about what were the practices of the early church in terms of Advent. So I think their practices, as I mentioned earlier, they use this time actually for fasting and for confession. We're pretty sure that those were two of the spiritual practices. So fasting, there's an interesting thing to think about doing in the middle of a global pandemic, especially with with Christmas coming up. But maybe there's a, a, a different kind of fasting we could practice during the season of Advent. Not so much, it could be related to food, but it could also be related to something we've noticed in ourselves that hasn't been helpful to our living through this time. and what what it maybe it's a fasting from impatience maybe we have felt especially impatient about the way the world is unfolding like come on already let's get the vaccine do we have to keep wearing these masks do we have to keep physical distancing yes the answer is yes, <laughs> yes. and um but we can we can fast from the impatience that makes those things feel like a burden rather than an act of freedom. That would, for me, would be one way to link the early church with us. And I think confession, if we're doing it with one another, or if we're just doing it between ourselves and God, is a way of saying, God, if there are some things about my life right now that are making life difficult for others, are there ways in which you can help me to know them, (laughs) release them, and be a, be a support for that person so patience becomes easier for them as well as for me. Absolutely. Thank Those you. Those are for some that. thoughts. So, uh, one last question, and this one is fantastic. Seems that in the midst of this pandemic, we are incredibly focused on the advent of normalcy returning as soon as possible. This is the biggest air quote weight for so many right now that I wonder if others struggle as I am with refocusing my longing from matters important to my daily life to a longing for the coming of the Christ child. Mm. What are your thoughts on helping us realign priorities during the season? And can you suggest any spiritual practices we can lean on? That's a wonderful question and a wonderful context for it. And I I like the reference to the Christ child. So, you know, I think part part of what happens in Advent is it's not that we're just waiting for Christ, but we're also waiting for what Christ was like when he was born. And I think that's really important. So what's a baby like? Vulnerable, defenseless. To, to an extent, needs community and support, needs a lot of help and lead, needs nourishment. So I think Advent is this great opportunity that we're given. I mean, especially during the month of December, but it can happen at any time to think about how important it is to be vulnerable enough to express what we need at this time uh, to those around us, to ourselves. Um, because if, if in the end we want to be able to move towards something that we're celebrating, what, uh, well, what do we need in our lives in order to get up to that point? Right. So I think, you know, I think one, I'm going to just suggest a couple of things. I'm a big to-do list person. I have been setting aside my to-do lists 
Yep. That made you step back, didn't it? I, I am I am shook, <laughs> as the children say these days. <laughs> I think that to-do lists are fantastic. And I, I grew up watching my father create his to-do lists on the kitchen table and then cross off the items during the day. And I later on, I think I understood why that was so pleasurable to do that. However, however, I think there's a very significant difference, as the questioner asked, between waiting for an old normal to reappear as opposed to waiting for whatever new thing it is that God might be doing in Christ. How much of the future is going to look like the past? Who knows? How much do we want it to look like the past? Uh, I think that the yearnings for justice that we've been picking up during the past eight or nine months, the Black Lives Matter movement, the ongoing environmental movement, this is not for the old world. This is a dream of a new world where people will not feel discrimination because of the color of their skin, where a black person won't have to worry about going out at a certain time of day or in a certain neighborhood for fear of attack. Um, it's where we can all walk out into the world and think the environment, you know, we're doing something to preserve it for the future. So again, I think what I'm trying to do is to step back away from my to-dos to minimize them as much as possible and ask myself the question, what's that great dream that we're moving toward? Um, and the way I would phrase that and actually, this happened last week because I started to <laughs> jettison some of these to-dos. The phrase that came to mind, Leslie, was the phrase, walk in beauty. Mm. So walk in beauty. I love that phrase. It's actually an American Indian phrase. It's been, it's been used by many different tribes. So it's been sort of associated with American Indian culture. But I love the, the idea of walking in it. You know, so that it's something that surrounds us. It's it's the air we breathe and it's the world we live in. And so if that's the goal, then my advent waiting is to say, well, what are the spiritual practices that would help me to walk in beauty? So the one that I've been adding, I mean, not there, there are a certain number of times I have to go outside and walk each day because the dogs are ready to go, Right. Yes, That's they're just, very helpful in getting us outside. <laughs> they're very helpful. I've been going outside, standing in the green between the church and the parsonage at night and staring at the stars and giving myself as much time as I can to do that. That has become a spiritual practice for me because it reminds me that whatever is going on in the planet Earth, there's a big, big space out there that's larger than comprehension will allow. And that space is a reminder to me that we live in this vast transcendent universe. And um, it's helping me to think beyond the old normal. So what could, be the, what could be the new thing? And I think the other thing that I've learned to do is to take tiny pieces of scripture or, or a quotation, and just savor that. And the one that I've been using, so less is more. That's the other thing I would say. And um, the one phrase that's been rolling around in my mind is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. It's God is doing a new thing. 
Do you not perceive it? Mm. So to me, it's very promising because it's the sense that God is doing this new thing. Do you not perceive it? I could say, no, actually, I don't right now. <laughs> and, and for me now, the waiting and the watching are about learning to perceive it. And the reason I liked James is that he says, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. So it's this, what do I need to do to make my heart strong? How do I need to take care of myself? Because I don't want to miss that thing when I actually start to perceive it. I want to be ready for it. So I guess for me, the practices are about taking some of the daily ordinary things that I do anyway and giving them a larger spiritual dimension like the walk, and also taking some of these ancient texts in very, very small pieces and giving them something, giving them more space in my life. Um, I can't recommend this book because I haven't read it, but a friend of mine the other day recommended a book to me called Little Bets, which I really like the title. And he said, Little Bets is all about starting a little thing and then seeing how it, how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, well, maybe you lost that bet. But, uh, but it's at least something that you start and you move, you move with it for a time. And maybe it grows into a bigger thing. But you take your time with it. So again, it's going back to our friend James. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. There's a lot of insight and goodness about the world that we're going to miss if we don't stick with it. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that stick to itiveness that makes it all possible. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ed. And thank you to all of our amazing uh, live attendees for your questions. We're so grateful. Um, And we look forward to joining you guys again next Monday at 11 a.m. And thank you to all of our podcast listeners who are listening to this after I edit it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Leslie, thank you. And I also want to thank our guests. It's a spiritual journey. We're just beginning. And we'll keep making reference to James as we go forward and move into the next text. In fact, we're going to look at a little passage from the book of the prophet Isaiah for our next, uh, our next gathering. Well, thank you, everyone. And we hope you have a great day. Blessings to all. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.